Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your show for insight, forecasts, and success strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Ball. Thank you for being with us. And now uh, this segment is brought to you by RealCrowd.com, and it is crowdfunding for the professional. Check them out at RealCrowd.com. Well, today we're talking about the office market, about office use. We're going to cover some uh, interesting things about the office, office market. Like, do you know what your wired score is and how it could impact you? Uh, also, what about this uh, shared open space versus private office space? What's going on? It seems like there's a, a lot of interest either way. So we're going to talk to an expert about that. But first, let's take a look at what's happening in the office marketing market. How are things trending performance-wise? Please welcome Barbara Denham. She's an economist, and she's with Reese, and she's joining us on the phone. Barbara, thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. So, Barbara, how is the office market performing? It seems like from from my chair, but I'm in Atlanta, where a lot of our where we do lease office space here. It seems to be doing well here. How's it doing overall when you look at the country? Well, the national office market is doing pretty well. The, it took somewhat of a breather in the first quarter, as it tends to do, and I think to some extent you could argue that uh, the weather impacted even the office market, which seems extreme, but it, it was a quiet period. Uh, but construction was a little stronger than we would have expected compared to net absorption. So we saw the vacancy rate actually go up a little bit to 16.5%. Rent growth was pretty healthy at about 0.8%. Um, um, so things are good. They're just not great. You know, this has been the story of the office market throughout this recovery. I mean, uh, in the previous expansions, you see vacancy rates of like 12%, 10%. But this one, you know, we're eight years deep into the recession, and we're still at 16.5%. And why is that, Barbara? I mean, as an economist, it seems like we've had great job growth. Is it just really people using less space per, per employee, or what is it? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely not because of job growth, because job growth has been just as healthy, if not healthier, than it was in previous recoveries. But, yes, uh, clearly uh, occupiers are using less space per added employee. They're allowing a lot of people to work from home. And they're just overall very, very conservative about how they lease space. They're not leasing big conference rooms and law libraries and cafeterias and things like that. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, the, the WeWorks out there. There's um, uh, companies that are catering to smaller companies and um, offering more flexible space. So even though those companies are leasing space, it's not for long stretches. So they're able to be a little bit more nimble about moving around or downsizing, upsizing, that kind of thing. So overall, the, just the, the, the technology and the, just the change in the approach to how firms lease space uh, has had an impact. And uh, it's kept vacancies rather elevated and rent growth very, very uh, low. Yeah. And what do you expect, Barbara, for the numbers for office performance as far as the timing of it. If you look at small businesses seem to be excited about the economy and, and about the tax law changes. You know, and of course, you, the, you might have leases that are three years, five years, or ten years. So will it take a little while for the office sector to experience if there is some exuberances, if there is some increase in employment that comes from the, the tax rate changes, does it take a little while to happen? Um. Yeah, it should. I mean, we've been saying for a while, you know, that the economy is taking a wait-and-see approach, that um, with uh, the tax law passed last year, firms are finally going to feel comfortable 
leasing space. But I think a lot of it, you know, you could argue is that, you know, job growth should continue. This, this, this recovery should last at least another two to three years. Um, and we do see overall absorption increasing this year uh, from last year and even the previous year. So we do see an uptick in demand and occupancy growth this year. But offsetting that, we see an increase in construction this year. So um, a lot of developers have you know, started construction like two or three years ago, hoping that the economy would finally bounce um, bounce back strongly by now, and it is, but they're building more this year than we have in years. You know, it's not dramatically higher, but it's definitely higher, especially in markets like New York and Chicago, um, you know, where they're building Hudson Yards and the World Trade Center. So we're seeing a, a spike in construction and an increase in net absorption, which basically means that the vacancy rates will probably stay flat. But uh, again, office uh, rent growth should stay positive and maybe even be a little healthier. Okay. And of course, uh, markets can be different around the country. What are some markets uh, that are doing well? Um, well, believe it or not, the lowest vacancy rate in the country is New York City. Mm-hmm. And New York had a very good quarter. Um, it uh, saw uh, its vacancy drop to uh, about uh, 8.9%. Um, that's the lowest, but other markets doing well are Chicago, um, Washington, D.C., um, Seattle, San Francisco, Houston and Austin, and even San Jose. So all the bigger markets, the ones that have been doing well, are um, continuing to, to do well in the first quarter. We're seeing that in the absorption numbers. We're also seeing that in the employment numbers, where we're seeing year-over-year growth rates of 4% in some of these markets. Yeah. What about markets, Barbara, that maybe aren't doing so well? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I would argue that the gap between the good markets and the ones that are suffering a little bit have widened a bit. So let me count how many, you know, a lot of markets are seeing both negative net absorption and um, job declines, office, market, uh, office employment declines. And some of those include um, somewhat high-profile ones, such as Fairfield County and Westchester. That uh, Fairfield County, especially, you've seen some some corporate uh, exits, like GE Capital and other companies that are moving from Stanford to New York City. Um, but other smaller markets, like Providence, Rhode Island, Sacramento, that had been doing pretty well over the last 18 months, is saw some negative net absorption. Uh, Rochester, Fort Worth, Texas, Palm Beach, Wichita, uh, Cincinnati, smaller markets, you know, Knoxville, Syracuse, these kinds of things, uh, smaller markets that uh, somewhat regularly kind of fall at the bottom of these lists uh, are persistently staying there through the first quarter. Okay. And we're talking with Barbara Denham with Reese, and, and Barbara's an economist. So, Barbara, as an economist, um, what do you expect moving forward? You know, it seems like there's a lot of changes going on in the economy with talks of, of tariffs. We have tax right changes. We have, you know, a lot of things moving around with the, with the president uh, and, and the global economy. So what do you expect the economy to do moving forward and this impact and its impact on the job market and the office market in the U.S.? Well, you know, the news is, is very uh, it's filled with drama every day, so it's hard. <laughs> it's hard to really get a grip on what's really going to impact the economy and what's not. Uh, I mean, even things like oil prices have been a little volatile lately because of, um, you know, one day OPEC looks like it's, it's um, 
uh, holding on to these these um, caps in production, which is you know elevating oil prices, and then the next day you know oil prices fall. So our outlook overall is still for continued steady slow growth. Now the reason why I'm, I'm optimistic about that is because. You know, we've had eight years of recovery, but the entire time we've been recovering, it has been very, very slow and steady. So we haven't developed the market imbalances that we've seen in other expansions. So, you know, there's not this, you know, the last recession was driven by over-investment in the housing market. And prior to that, it was the dot-com boom. Prior to that, it was, it was you know, office development that really drove the recession in the early 1990s. So... This one, we don't really see the imbalances because things have been growing so slowly and modestly that investors have not gotten uh, too ahead of themselves. There's not a lot of over-speculation that things will be robust. It's, it's very steady as, as we've gone. And I think because we've been growing in such a slow rate, we will continue to grow at such a slow rate because we won't see these bubbles popping. Um, so I think our outlook is still for positive growth over the next you know, like I said, three or four years, we see positive job growth, even though we're very close to full employment. Yeah. And if you have NOI growth and you have a good economy for, for your occupancy, it's one thing, but also, I guess, the cost of money can impact the values on these office properties. What are you thinking for trends, uh, if nothing else, for cap rates for office properties? Well, uh, office cap rates definitely uh, increased at the end of the year. Um, more so than any of the other property types. So investors have not been loving the office market as a long-term investment, especially compared to, say, the apartment market and the industrial market, where the industrial market was, was very strong uh, at the end of 2017 um, because of the growth in e-commerce. Um, but even a lot of developers are speculating about the retail real estate market because there seems to be a lot of opportunity out there. So uh, I think office, the office market as an investment class has been trailing all the others, mainly because of the sluggish rent growth um, and the confusion, the confused outlook as to why uh, you know net absorption occupancy growth has been so sluggish. So we don't see cap rates falling anytime soon, and if interest rates keep rising, then you know. It, 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 Cap rates could even increase a little bit more in the office market. But again, I, I caution that the better markets will continue to do well, and some of the other ones will trail. Yeah, yeah, well, that makes sense. So you do expect interest rates to continue to rise this year? Yes. Yeah. At least three more um, Fed funds uh, increases. Uh, going forward. Okay. Well, Barbara, what would you leave our national audience with related to the office market? Well, like I said, I, the one thing I always look at and um, I think is a very good barometer is office employment growth, and there's a number of markets that are doing very, very strong. So as long as, uh, you know, more, far more than half are growing, and they're growing at robust rates, and I think there's even a much higher outlook right now for the securities and finance industry uh, that has not enjoyed much growth at all throughout this expansion, I think we will see a bit of a boost in the securities industry going forward. Um, part of that might have to do with the Dodd-Frank get, getting relaxed. Um, uh, just an overall sense that, you know, the stock market is healthy, so there might be more IPOs, mergers and acquisitions, and, and overall. So I think the outlook is very positive. Yeah, well, that's good to hear. Barbara, thanks for joining us. Good insight as usual. 
Thank you very much. If you'd like more information, visit Reese.com. That's R-E-I-S. And stay tuned with us. Like I said in the intro, we're going to have a lot more that's interesting about the office market if you're a user or investor or you help those that are. Stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Invest alongside real estate experts, sponsors who have a successful track record and skin in the game. It's as easy as one, two, three. Learn about the deals, make your investment, and grow your financial wealth. Visit arborcrowd.com. Would you like access to invest in institutional quality commercial real estate with experienced sponsors with small amounts of money? Of course you would. Visit realcrowd.com. Choose between core, core plus, value add, or opportunistic. Visit realcrowd.com. Are you a commercial real estate broker? Check out Afto, the leading web-based CRE software for managing contacts, properties, listings, and deals. Act on the information in your CRM to strengthen your relationships and grow your business. Visit Afto.com slash CRE show. Would you like to be the top producing commercial broker in your office? Check out Michael Bull's video training. Since you're a show listener, you receive 20% off your first purchase. At checkout, use discount code CRE show. Visit commercialagentsuccess.com. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. This segment is brought to you by Bull Realty Asset and Occupancy Solutions. And today we are talking about the office sector. And you know, one of the things that everyone is concerned about in the office sector today is the office floor plan, the use, how companies are handling productivity, retention, recruiting. You know, there's been a big push towards off open office space and open floor plans, but is it really working? And it seems to be some discussions around the around the industry at different companies. Uh, is, is that the, the right thing, especially as we're seeing employment uh, become a tighter market? Are employees going to, hey, maybe they want that old corner office, or is the corner office really dead? Well, we have a treat for you. Our next guest is Diana Sabo. She is with Commercial Cafe, which is part of Yardy. And uh, Diana, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Hello, Michael. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you. And Diana, you guys recently did a survey, a uh, workspace survey, where you interviewed a bunch of people who who work in office space to tend to go to them and ask them what you think. So tell us about who you surveyed. Who was this? Yeah, sure. So uh, we conducted a nationwide survey and we wanted to have respondents from different age groups uh, who have been fully employed um, and uh, they work in a variety of industries including software, uh, healthcare, finance, so on and so forth. Uh, and we've asked them several questions. Uh, one of them was about uh, what they would consider the ideal office layout and how they feel that their work environment um, and their interactions with different uh, personality types uh, uh, in the workplace affects their productivity. Yeah, that's great. So let's talk about the question of open floor plan versus private offices and kind of everything in between. What did you find out from the respondents? Well, I think this was one of the major sort of surprises in a way, although there has been talk about uh, the controversy about uh, open uh, layouts, 
how effective they are and uh, whether people have any grievances about them. Mm -hmm. And what we found is that overall, uh, in terms of uh, the ideal office layout, uh, open plan offices only raked up about 9.9% of uh, people of our respondents' uh, uh, choices. And even more surprisingly, co-working offices uh, have only gathered around 9.4%. Uh, so um, as I said, there have been studies previously about uh, the benefits of um, open spaces, open space layout, about how it fosters creativity and collaboration. But according to the respondents in, in our survey, it seems that while employees uh, recognize the importance of all these things, they uh, also have a number of problems with, uh, this, with the sort of work environment that this layout uh, creates. Yeah, so how many, uh, how many of your respondents preferred a private office, kind of that old school way? Oh, well, it's uh, preferred by an overwhelming margin, actually. It's like 43%. Wow. Uh, and yes, <laughs> and of course uh, now uh, we can talk about how realistic this seems in terms of uh, is the workplace of the future going to address this uh, because obviously the reason why uh, open plan offices are so widespread now has to do with uh, both cost effectiveness and also having to accommodate a growing number of employees. Uh, but I think uh, the main uh, takeaway from this is that there has to be a sort of balance between the m sort of a company's uh, wish to see uh, collaboration and creativity uh, within the workplace and the employee's uh, requirement for more privacy and overall more, more control over their, uh, their space in the office. Yeah, and is privacy one of the main issues to your respondents? Yes, so uh, the main, the top three uh, issues signaled by our respondents are lack of privacy, constant interruptions, and uh, the noise level. These would be the top grievances. Yeah, the noise level would be a concern for, for me. Uh, and, and I'm in a commercial real estate office, and when people are talking about commercial real estate, I it's hard for me not to listen because I like to learn and, I, and it's just an interesting topic to me. Um, and uh, so, so that would distract me. Um, but you also have, you know, an employment market that's really improving. And it would seem that uh, a lot of the tenants that, that we represent for office space uh, in Atlanta are concerned about uh, HR, the, the, the the payroll is being really one of their main expenses and one of, one of the main values that a lot of companies have is really uh, their people. So, you know, and, and then you see some employees or tell me how many from, from your respondents prefer working at uh, home or, or not work, working out of the office. Uh, working from a home office or from a remote location mm -hmm. is second in terms of uh, the respondents' choice. Uh, it, it's around 23%. Yeah. And then overall the, age. Yeah. And then, as you mentioned, companies are trying to reduce costs uh, in real estate, especially when in real estate in some markets has gotten uh, pretty expensive to lease office space. So, what are you finding on, on uh, square footage per 
employee from your survey? Uh, well, yes, uh, although oddly enough, um, even though there are uh, several people who have signaled the fact that they would prefer a larger office size, it's not mentioned as one of the key grievances uh, in terms of what disrupts or what uh, bothers them about their current workplace. Right, and, the, and they have to, d have to worry about the interruptions. I know um, that can be a, a major thing, and, and whether certain personality types or, or things to watch out for that your respondents uh, came back with? Yeah, certainly. Uh, obviously, the first one to, uh, to, to bother everyone is the office bully, <laughs> followed closely by the loud talker. <laughs> so as you said before, interruptions and the noise level is, uh, is really a big problem when you, when you have no sort of partitions between workers and uh, there are no separate rooms or offices. Yeah. And did the respondents, uh, were they okay? Were they happy with their office? Might they consider uh, a move or a change uh, more because they're not that satisfied with their space? Uh, well, I think overall in terms of retaining uh, uh, employees, companies are not, uh, you know, they shouldn't worry that much <laughs> for the moment because uh, although people uh, do express their wish and their uh, for a for an ideal office space. Uh, they do recognize the limitations on uh, the means necessary to to bring that about, and uh, an insignificant number of them have actually stated that they would seriously consider uh, quitting their job because of uh, an inconvenient office. And what what percentage was that, Dana? Was that like six percent? Uh, well, it was uh, it was on a scale, mm -hmm. so yeah, it, it was six percent. Yeah, and that's interesting because you know we think about payroll and the cost of turnover of training and this the turnover and the turmoil there. Uh, six percent might be a pretty high number for some companies. I would think that that we represent uh, because you know you're going to have some turnover regardless, and if you have six percent that are thinking about leaving because they don't like the space. I know I had uh, one broker that wanted to work at our company years ago and we were in too tight a space we're in, and had some shared environments and uh, and he knew he would do really well at our firm but he did not like the space and he told me, he said, Michael, I'm, I've got a private office and you know it's, it's in a nice environment and I know I'll make less but I want to stay in my nice environment. Is that something you see uh, from your respondents there in the survey? Uh, well, obviously they do, they have signaled the things that could be improved and I think that with, um, with designers uh, trying out a new uh, noise re reducing materials and uh, different uh, sort of uh, private MOOCs and offices and work rooms for uh, smaller groups, we're seeing, uh, we're seeing a response to address these uh, issues and uh, uh, although the number of people who are seriously considering uh, quitting their job because of office uh, conditions is not large at the moment, uh, there's not, uh, th there is some sensitivity uh, on the part of management and of uh, designers and architects to address th these. Yeah, and I think the success of our, our tenants, if you own a building or, or help companies, uh, is is very gonna be very much improved by the layout of their office and you know years ago we went to 
a uh, very nice office space with the uh, private offices on glass and a lot of sunlight and cafe and, and game rooms and uh, you know it, it surely helped I mean our, our, our recruiting uh, really skyrocketed and we've grown a lot since we've done that so uh, what did you take overall from this respondents what's your audience thinking about after they read your article and we'll put a link to the article at our website CREshow.com uh, Diana but when you, when you kind of after you finish this survey what kind of one point kind of jumped out to you? Uh, well I think as I said before the main uh, thing that uh, I think uh, people should take away from this is the need to find this balance between uh, like I said what companies are looking for creativity and collaboration and the whole buzz uh, that you can have at uh, an office where people are enjoying themselves and are looking forward to finding new solutions together. And then um, the need of individual employees to feel that they have a work environment that fits their needs and fits within their sense of privacy and control over, uh, over their environment. Yeah, I like that this survey went to to actual employees. I think one of the things when we tenant rep companies is sometimes the leadership just wants to talk to us and, and we ask, hey, can we talk to several people at your company with private interviews? Because maybe they'll tell us something uh, that they might not tell the boss. Uh, so I love the survey, great information, good tips. Diana, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. And, and Thank you. And stay tuned. We'll have more on the office sector. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Would you like access to invest in institutional quality commercial real estate with experienced sponsors with small amounts of money? Of course you would. Visit realcrowd.com. Choose between core, core plus, value add, or opportunistic. Visit realcrowd.com. Check out Valuate, a real estate analysis program that can be easily shared with colleagues online to do what-if analysis. Visit GetValuate.com. That's GetValuate.com. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease commercial real estate? You're invited to contact Bull Realty for customized asset and occupancy solutions. Call 404-876-1640 or visit BullRealty.com. Promote your business to the U.S. commercial real estate industry. Click advertise at the show website, CREshow.com. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I am Michael Ball. This segment is brought to you by the News Funnel. Dot com. Check them out. If you're in any type of commercial real estate industry uh, business around the country, check them out. Uh, this great news source. Well, today we are talking about the office market, the office sector. And you can't think about office users or businesses or buildings without thinking about connectivity, right? Everything's online. Everything's in the cloud today. So it becomes very important uh, for office users and, and investors and, and everyone about the connectivity. Well, you have a treat for you today. My guest is J.D. Jeske. He is with WiredScore.com, and they are the organization behind Wired Certification. J.D., thanks for being with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Well, so what is Wired Certification? 
Yeah, so Wired Score is the first and only globally recognized standard for rating a commercial office building's connectivity. Uh, what that means big picture wise is we help owners understand their digital infrastructure. Uh, we work with them on ways to improve it, and then we broadcast that to the marketplace. So a building could be wired certified at a certified silver, gold, or platinum level. And then that helps tenants, brokers, uh, and, and people in the market understand what are some of the best-in-class buildings um, based on their wired certification. Okay. And does a landlord pay for this certification? They do, yep. Okay. So, so owners, landlords are our client, and then we touch kind of all facets of the industry. So we work with uh, you know, building engineers, property managers, uh, brokers on both sides, landlord and uh, tenant rep brokers, helping them look smart to their clients. We work with tenants looking for space and help them easily identify uh, something that you can't really see or touch or feel, but you need to know that the connectivity is there when you're signing a lease uh, for 10 years in a building, that the building can support your needs uh, for today and also as your building grows. I think we could agree that whatever happens in the market, we as a society and our business are only becoming more and more connected um, and, and uh, maximizing our uptime and reducing any uh, chances that could be downtime is, is critical for business of today. Yeah, so if I'm a tenant and I'm running a business, and I'm looking at the difference between what was the top and a platinum, mm -hmm. and the lower score was? Certified. Certified. Yep. So what could the difference mean for me as an office user? Yeah, so it could be strictly options. Um, mm -hmm. Who is in that building? Is there fiber in the building, and what options do you have? Is it AT&T and Comcast? Is it level three? Is it cogent? Uh, there are a variety of options in there, and, and finding that information quickly and efficiently is basically how Wired Score was born. Uh, we were founded out of a public-private partnership with tenants asking these questions in New York City. And, uh, and our founder uh, got involved with Mayor Bloomberg, actually, in the Economic Development Department of New York City, and basically created this standard because uh, tenants need to know what's in a building before mm -hmm. they get to uh, lease signing day and are jumping into the building. Yeah. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, that does. So I understand that in my space here, my building at, at Bull Realty in Atlanta, uh, where we help tenants and, and, and landlords, the office market that we have redundancy that we have two different carriers so uh, is that available in most every building is that part of the score to be able to have multiple providers that's exactly right redundancy yeah. is probably one of the biggest things that we get questions about mm -hmm. and and tenants want to know which buildings have that they want to be able to you know shortlist instead of looking at 20 buildings down to 10 because of redundancy measure uh, we're seeing that more and more tenants are signing up for a primary and a backup Mm -hmm. uh, and they want to know that it's coming in from two sides of the street or maybe it's a fixed wireless solution where it's actually a point-to-point fiber-like connection coming off the rooftop. Mm -hmm. um, and again, this is all about efficiency, making something that's really complicated and complex, easy to digest and easy to understand and being able to point to a wired certification that really provides the value. Uh, we get compared to a lot with a, a lead certification or a walk score and, mm -hmm. and why I think those are, are valuable. Lead makes us feel good, right? Mm -hmm. We like to know that we're an efficient building. Uh, a walk score is great. We want to know how long it's going to take us to get to public transportation or, or get to lunch. Uh, but wired score is the only one that can be directly linked back to, to the productivity in an office space. Yeah. Uh, offices simply cannot function if they're not connected. Yeah. Uh, and maximizing that and providing some uh, validity to that choice is really something that we're seeing uh, tenants in the market and, and brokers who are assisting in their search. Uh, that's where the value comes in. Um, digging up that information quickly and being able to point to it and answer those questions is really speeding up the leasing process. Okay, and is this for new buildings and older buildings? 
Uh, it is. So we have two certifications. Uh, we have the occupied, which is existing, you know, like you'd see today, multi-tenanted buildings. Uh, and then we also get involved with new developments and redevelopments, which means that uh, that's kind of the exciting thing is owners and developers are planning for this and they're looking at a certification and, and they see the value in technology and connectivity and they want to know that they're playing in concrete. They're building these buildings that are going to last and that they've done a great job designing them from the, from the true bones and the infrastructure yeah. uh, that it's going to satisfy a tenant's needs. So how, if I run a, a business in, in New York or wherever, and how can I find out what the wired score of a building is if it's just not readily available in the marketing of a building? Uh, sure. So we like to, to push it through the marketing. Uh, mm -hmm. So the leasing agents are using this in their material. It's also, it lives on CoStar. It lives on wiredscore.com. Mm -hmm. uh, we also get a lot of uh, tenants reaching out to us and brokers that just want to better understand this. I think mm -hmm. they've, they've read about us. They've heard about this or they just see the value in technology. So if they're, they're not ans uh, asking for a wired score, they're certainly asking these questions of what's in the building, how long is it gonna take me to get plugged in and get connected, and how safe is that connection? Okay, and if I manage a building, I own a building, how might I improve my wired score? Yeah, it, it all depends what, what you start with, right? Yeah. So uh, we've certified 400 million square feet, uh, more than 1,500 buildings. We're in seven countries globally. Uh, and we've launched market by market everywhere. So when you've looked under the hood of that many buildings, you kind of tend to spot out some things that they're doing really well quickly mm -hmm. and also some deficiencies. Uh, part of that is could just be how well maintained the buildings have been over the years uh, as tenants have moved in and out. Uh, what, is, what do the risers look like? How clean are they? Are they at capacity? Could you bring in another provider? Um, so some of that is just operational maintenance. Uh, some of that is good housekeeping. Do you have agreements on file? Do you have a boilerplate agreement? Different things like that. Um, so it, it depends where you start, but we stay on, our, our certification is two years, so we don't just give you a score and walk away, but we work with you and really uh, provide value over the two years of uh, what I call phase two, and that's the consulting side of what we do. We work with you behind the scenes to better improve and future-proof those buildings to make sure that you're not only attracting tenants, but you're retaining tenants in your building and that you're providing a really good product. Um, yeah. The floor has kind of been raised for uh, expectations from tenants. Uh, it's no longer something that, um, hey, we have fiber and, and that suffices. They want to know more and they want to know that they can stay connected and, and continue to do business there. Yeah, and every, every building owner wants great tenants who are successful too. And you think about, you know, if you have great bandwidth, it's reliable and it's fast. Um, it's just like, it's like wellness. If your tenants are well, if they're doing well, then you have a better stable a building and, and for retention um, and, uh, and, and, and collections and everything else. But this wired score does not include uh, cellular service, right? Uh, so our, on new developments, it will. We'll work okay. with you on that. We want to know that you are designing a building that could, uh, that could hold a desk mm -hmm. uh, in there, which is a digital antenna system, which basically it's pulling in cell coverage from the outside of the building, mm -hmm. uh, and bringing it up through and distributing mm -hmm. it through that building. Mm -hmm. uh, the interesting correlation is buildings that are LEED certified have uh, potentially a low E glass, which is blocking cell service. Uh, the other thing that we're, we're following in the market is we're moving in, in the U.S. from 4G to 5G, which basically right now our cell phones are operating off a of 4G signal, uh, which is a big kind of rolling wave that travels pretty far. Uh, 5G is uh, much more frequent, and uh, the great thing about that is you're going to be able to uh, connect more IoT devices to that. Uh, and you're also going to be on 4G, what would take you maybe seven minutes to download a, a two-hour movie from your cell, you're going to be able to do it in about seven minutes. Mm -hmm. So much faster, but also uh, can be blocked easier uh, from the infrastructure point of view. So we work with our clients to address these issues. Technology is changing uh, rapidly. You know, when, when you start building a building maybe today and it's not going to be uh, delivered for 
18 months. Um, what does it look like in 18 months from now? Yeah. Um, so different things in the market, to answer your question, we do cover that, and, mm -hmm. and that's something that's constant. What's interesting is 80% of cell phone traffic happens from within buildings, which is interesting because you're talking about a mobile phone, but people are calling it and using it from inside the workspace. Mm -hmm. um, people want this untethered feeling in, yeah. in their day-to-day. -day. They're not just at a desk all day plugged in anymore. They're, yeah. they're moving around from an iPad, uh, working from our cell phones on the go. So uh, it's definitely something we're tracking and, and probably something that we answer questions very frequently on. Yeah, I agree with you. It's very important, like on our phone system here, if somebody calls you, your phone extension in your office, it also rings your cell phone, whether you're here or anywhere else. So you know, we all want to be connected. We obviously want to be available for our clients and be convenient. So your website is wiredscore.com, W-I-R-E-D, score.com. What resources are there for the audience that they can access? Yeah, so we have a, a fact sheet for every building. So every building that's wired certified is going to be on our website and, and CoStar as well. Uh, a simple, easy to understand fact sheet, which basically it's the health report, you know, the report card on that building, everything you would need to know from a tenant experience. Nice. Uh, and that covers the simple things like is there common area Wi-Fi to the really technical things like the fiber and who's providing into the building, uh, redundancy and resiliency measures. So that's a sheet that um, everybody who touches a leasing decision can use from the asset manager to ultimately uh, the tenant looking for space. And we play in this very, uh, this very niche space between uh, the telecom world and, and engineering where it's a really complex uh, IT conversation and, and lingo to something that you and I could sit down and, and understand. So we provide that translation, what's in between. Uh, so we're constantly involved in these, uh, in these conversations to make something that uh, is critically important uh, able for everybody to understand and confidently point to that they've uh, they validated their decision and where they're going to land and and, uh, and open business. Yeah. So those resources, that information is available on your website with just access for anyone. Right? That's correct. Yep. Okay. That's great. Anything else we should know about the tools at your website or anything else you kind of parting news for our audience related to Wired Score and these certifications? Yeah, I think we've, we've grown as demand is there, um, market by market and, and internationally, and, and different markets have grasped this um, at a different level. But I think what's exciting is, is we're playing in this ecosystem that owners see the value here. Uh, brokers are educating themselves on technology because their, their tenants, their clients are asking questions about it. Uh, and, and we're providing that platform for people to speak to it. Owners are, are investing uh, a lot of money in, in making smart buildings, making well-connected products, and never had uh, kind of that platform to speak to it and, and to validate and point to. Yeah. Um, they thought they had something good, uh, but they didn't know how to tell anybody about it. Right. Wired certification and a wired score uh, gives them that uh, credibility, and it also gives them a global standard where if you have a platinum building in Boston or D.C. Mm -hmm. or Chicago, uh, that also means the same in, in London, in Paris, and in Toronto, where we also have a presence. So I think it's, it's really exciting to see uh, the reception and the, uh, the growth uh, of how quickly we've come along. Yeah, well, that's excellent. And great information, J.D. Thanks for being with us and uh, sharing this really important topic with, with our audience. Yeah, thank you. And thank you for joining us out there around the country or around the world, however you are watching or listening. We appreciate it you being with us. Please let us know your thoughts. Uh, connect with us on social media. Check out our other shows at CREshow.com. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty, Asset and Occupancy Solutions, Arbor Crowd, Invest Alongside Experts, Get Valuate, Online Investment Analysis, Real Crowd, 
crowdfunding with professionals. Apto, the ultimate brokerage software. The News Funnel, real estate news personalized. CommercialAgentSuccess.com, video training from Michael Ball. To access these great companies or for more videos, podcasts, and articles, visit CREshow.com.